Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast once again with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Now, this is our second attempt to record with today's guest. Last year, Tommy Hyde was preparing to, uh, was preparing to headline a bill in Cork for what would be his professional debut. We spoke ahead of that one and discussed his remarkable childhood, traveling the world with his father, Gary, and his excitement ahead of his, of, of, uh, and his excitement ahead of the bout in his native city. Everything was good to go from our end and we were about to publish when suddenly word came through to hold back. If that was a mini setback for us, for Tommy, it was something altogether more serious. Uh, welcome to the show, Tommy. We might start there, the moment when your life, your career was derailed. Uh, I'll start by reading a post from your dad, April 2022. Um, on Tuesday, we got the devastating news that our main man, Tommy, H- Tommy Hyde's boxing career, had to be terminated due to findings in his MRI brain scan. Thankfully, we've been informed this morning that Tom- Tommy's MRI scan is clear and that he is 100% healthy. Uh, and you had a Tommy had a reaction to an antibiotic when he was very young, which showed up on his MRI MRI scan. Uh, and thank you everyone for your support, Tommy. Um, obviously we spoke we spoke a year ago. Never got to publish that episode of Rocky Road, and it was it was a happy it was a happy time. You know, you're discussing a life in boxing. You know, traveling the world from childhood, amateur bouts, hopes and dreams for the future. And can you bring us back to a year ago when everything kind of came crashing down? Yeah, thanks for having me back on again, Kev. Uh, yeah, they were happy times, but um, so it was the Tuesday before the fight. We were told uh, there was findings in my MRI scan, and um, yeah, so first they were saying that I won't be boxing again. I should pick up golf or tennis or something like that. It was kind of just kind of left like that then. So obviously, I was devastated. My mom and dad taught me up in our bar at home, Hannah Barnes, and uh, so we were on the way to selling out the show in Pro Hall, and just that was like a dream come true. What uh, something I was looking forward to since I was a child. And um, yeah, then my dad was having to think about it and he was like, we'll have to get a second a second opinion. So we went up to, to St. James's in Dublin and the neurologist was kind of like, he was kind of shocked with the way the way things were awarded to us and all that. He said, um, he said that things aren't as bad as it, as, as what it was said to me first. Like he reckons that, um, or he, he said, come back in six months with another MRI scan and he'd be happy enough once it's the same, he'd be happy enough to give me the go ahead then. Uh, once like the, the adverse finding had been effectively explained and not, not say, uh, did you spar in the meantime or do, like, did you, did you, when you first, when you first got the news, did you uh, tell us like, tell us what it was like when your mom and dad talked to you in Hannah Bonds? 
Oh yeah, so I, I came into the bar, and I, they were out in the they were out in out in the stock room. So I went out there, and I just seen on the face that something was up. And for some reason, I had a feeling myself that something was up. Um, and he told me what happened then that there was that there was findings in the MRI scan, and then that he was talking to one of the doctors, and the doctor said, "Don't uh, that I shouldn't be boxing. I shouldn't. I should never have been boxing." And this, he's saying this to me after a hundred amateur fights, like. So um, it was an awful shock, but yeah, I didn't really know what to think at the time. Um, you're kind of thinking, you're thinking about boxing, but then you're thinking of your own health as well. Like, um, there's there's a lot more to life than boxing, but boxing is my life at the minute. Yeah. So um, yeah, you're 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 obviously a lifer. Like, uh, did you did you consider that was it? Were you were you ready to pack it in? And uh, like, I know oh. your dad would have come to you with, we'll get a second opinion with a positive slant on it quite quickly but initially you know you hear news like that that it's all over isn't it yeah completely i was told i was told to take up tennis or golf and uh i never tried any of them and i don't think i'd be too much good at them either so i wasn't uh i wasn't too happy with the thought of playing tennis or golf for the rest of my life either so um yeah like a couple of hours went in he said we'll have to get a second opinion my dad thought about it i had to go think about it and so we went up. Yeah, he got he just got cracking on that. Then he got cracking on on what was next, and he's good at all that stuff. So yeah, he got cracking. Did you start to think? Uh, I guess you've had a hundred amateur fights or thereabouts. You know, you're fighting that light heavyweight. Lads can punch. And did you start thinking? Oh my god, I've been taking my life in my hands for so long for my whole life here. Yeah, well, as a boxer, like you hear you hear these freak accidents all the time. Like, well, not all the time, but you hear it a lot. And it is scary for any boxer to think about that. And then when they're telling you that you shouldn't have been boxing and you're after been fighting some of the top fellas in the world, Olympians and, and national champions and stuff, internationals, and then you're like, yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was haunted to be honest. Like, if 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 everything wasn't alright, I was haunted that I got over a hundred fights and all that sparring and all that, and I was still okay. Yeah, you're thinking maybe maybe there's something to it. Um, yeah, it's it's mad. I remember like just hearing hearing the news and being you know good for you, good for Gary because you'd really been building something like to headline a debut show uh, is is very unusual, and then to nearly sell out the hall in Cork as well. It just shows the potential. And and you know when you were an amateur, people were kind of expecting one day Tommy Hyde is going to turn pro and is going to have a great career and it's going to be a a draw because what people want to see is a draw. Yeah. Like even even when when I was told and I was out in the stock room, I came into the bar and all the lads were after buying tickets that were drinking there, all our regulars, and they asked me, you must be buzzing for the fight now Saturday. And I was kind of just looking at them, like with a blank expression. I didn't know what to say to them. I wasn't going to tell them that I'm not going to box again. And um, yeah, so it was just it was just such a big hype around us. And there was a great buzz around the place. And then it was just pulled from underneath me. Yeah, um, what did you do for the first few days? Were you just moping around, or did you did you you know quickly take a, take action on you know starting your life again, or what what was the, what were those few days like? Um, yeah, I've just a mad few days. I've I've good friends and I've a good family around me as well. I went uh, I actually went hiking on Carantool the day the day that I was supposed to fight on the Saturday, so that took the mind off it. I went up with a few of the lads and we had a good laugh up there. So yeah, that kind of took the mind off it a bit. I suppose when you hear news like that, your mates are important. Yeah, very important. And you've you've a good set there. Yeah, like like they as obviously they were all going to the fight as well, and um, 
they're, yeah, they were all just there for me when I needed them. My girlfriend was there for me. Like, she went through just as rough of a time as I did over the, over the eight months before finding everything was all right. Because she was dealing with my moods and all that as well. Like, do you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I've good people around me. I'm very lucky. So you went to James's, got a second opinion, and uh, you were told, actually, there's a chance uh, There's a chance here. You had to wait. Did you wait the six months? Did you train? Did you spar during that six months? Or did you just leave it behind? What did you do? I trained like nonstop, nonstop, but I couldn't spar. Obviously, I was told not to spar, not to do any contact um, and just wait the six months and uh, come back with another MRI scan then. So you trained like a demon. Well, what sort of, yeah, like, what did you do if you can't, if you can't do uh, impacts? Is it just, you know, using the bags, using your regular boxing workouts, but no sparring? It was kind of just like training during lockdown when you couldn't spar then either. I, was, I went on holiday in June to Portugal. I was training over there. And I just kind of kept training and kept training because at the back of my mind, I knew, like, I kind of, I was fairly confident that everything was going to be all right. But you, you're obviously second guessing it then. But um, I was just, I was just looking, I was just being positive about it, trying to be as positive as I could. And uh, and just when the time was right, when I could fight then, I'd, I'd be fit and ready to go. I, I, would you have been able to walk away from the sport if it came to it? I guess like your health is more important than, you know, a sport, but a sport for you is also a career and it's a way of life. What would it have been like to have had to walk away uh, without having had a professional bout? Because you did have those 100 amateur fights. You fought all over the world. Yeah, like starting out boxing would have been, my goal would have been like winning an Irish title. Then when you win that, like your goals keep getting bigger and bigger. But I was, the goal then was to turn pro and I've, I've, I've huge goals and aspirations for, as a professional. But um, obviously if I had to walk away, I had to walk away. There's more to life than boxing. But yeah, I wouldn't, I would have found it very difficult. Um, I probably would have started helping out as a coach or something like that. I'm not too sure. Um, I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I had about a week where I didn't train and I was just straight back in in the gym then. Yeah. Uh, so debut comes along. I guess uh, a lot of fighters before their, their professional debuts are very nervous. But uh, I believe that wasn't the case for you. No, not at all. Like, Tell us about so where, where got, you fought and how you ended up there as well. Let's give us the story. Yeah, so we got, we got the all clear, I think, around the end of October, maybe start of November. And then my dad was looking for our fights. I just said, get me a fight as quickly as possible. So we weren't going to do another show straight away in, in, in Cork for the first one. After everything happened, you, it was just a bit awkward kind of refunding everyone and all that. So we just wanted to get on the road again and um, and then bring one back to Cork eventually. So we got he got looking and we got started in South Dakota, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's not really a hotbed for boxing or anything like that. But um, it was, geez, it was, it was just unreal down there. Um, nothing special about about the show or anything like that, but just the whole experience of being able to of being able to finally turn professional. Um, like I, it's normal to get jitters and and nerves before fights and stuff like that. And before a professional fight, your first professional fight, especially, you'd expect to be getting that more than any time before. But um, yeah, I was just I was just kind of smiling the whole way. I was just delighted. I was. I just kind of kept thinking back to what could have been. And um, I was just so happy to be to be finally able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You picked up a win as well in your debut against uh, Jiri Korda. Uh, and how have you been finding the pro ranks so far? You, you, you were out again in January in uh, Dorchester, another Jiri, Jiri Krupa. Uh, so yeah. you have two wins under the belt now already. And uh, you seem quite busy at the minute. But 
How's the actual in-ring experience gone for, me to, gone for you? The fights, the adaption from the, the amateur ranks and stuff like that. How, how's it gone in there? Uh, it's been good, yeah. They were, they were both two juries and two check lads. Uh, they both are two hard heads now, I'll tell you that much as well. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, two tough, tough opponents to start off with and I got good experience. I'm just kind of settling down into it now and obviously it's a, it's a long enough progress to, um, it's a long enough process to get into the pro uh, into the pro game and get so, uh, and get settled down. So I'm I'm over in Los Angeles now at the minute, just training all the time. My hands are, my hands are just healing from the last week two weeks ago. So um, I'll be back sparring next week in LA. So I'm looking forward to that and getting and just getting settled in here as well and and getting more experience in in the professional gyms. So you always believed, you always believed that this would happen, even though last year you got the, the worst news of your life. You, in the back of your mind, you thought, I'll get there this time next year, maybe. Yeah, I did. I did kind of, I did think that, but you're going to have doubts too. But yeah, I always just tried to stay positive, as positive as I could anyway. You you haven't been given easy uh, easy opponents so far either. You've, you've had to dig deep already, you know, dig, dig, dig deeper than some professional prospects have to in their first couple of fights. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my dad said when when he looked across the ring at my first opponent and after the first combination, he knew he was coming to win and he was throwing big shots. And he just thought, Jesus, here we go now. So that was a that was a nice start, but I wouldn't like anything else. So I don't want to be I don't want to be getting getting just hitting a fella and he fall down on the floor, throw himself down on the floor. Um although it looks good and all that, but I, I want to, I want to be getting challenged and I'm not going to pro- uh, progress without that. Like, uh, you you look you're looking to become busy as well. You've got another fight set up for back in Dorchester on St Patrick's Day. Uh, Thomas O'Toole, a former amateur opponent, he went one and one in the amateurs, I believe. He's on the card as well, so there'll be a nice Irish groove on the on the uh, on the card as well. So it's it's nice to get opportunities there. And I, fighting on St Patrick's Day for an Irish boxer is the dream, isn't it? Oh, it's unreal! Like the last the last show in Dorchester two weeks ago, I sold like 150 tickets. I don't even live around there. I have a lot of cousins and stuff. But there's a pile of people from Cork and a pile of Irish there. And I just thought it was unbelievable. A lot of them didn't know me and they just came to support me because I was an Irishman boxing in Dorchester. And uh, yeah, it's going to be the same. It's going to be bigger and better on Patrick's on St. Patrick's Day with Thomas fighting on the show as well. Um, so he there's a lot of lads from Connemara too over there. So they become to support him and the Cork lads come to support me. And then just uh, the Irish in general come to support both of us. So, um, yeah, it's a big, great buzz. So I'm fighting St. Patrick's Day in Boston. And then three weeks later, I'm on in Waterford again. So, um, yeah, I'm just very lucky to be kept busy like this. Home debut, up the road from Cork, not too far at all. I'm sure you bring, bring a big crowd. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always got great. I've always got great support from Cork, from Ireland, even as an amateur. So, um, yeah, it's going to be unreal to get fighting at home. And so close to home as well, about an hour and a half up the road. Like so, we'll have a nice crowd up there. We'll uh, they'll be making a bit of noise, all right. In the intro, Tommy alluded to the uh, unusual childhood you, you've had. You, you travelled the world, kind of in your father's corner. He was managing fighters from all over the world, and then even as an amateur, you you like I have a list here of the places you fought in uh, in Russia, South Africa, Portugal, USA, Ukraine, Canada, Netherlands, Germany, England. Amateurs do travel the world, but I think you got to do. Just a little bit more as well. Yeah, I was very lucky with just with the people around me uh, in the amateurs. My dad helped me travel a lot, and then I was uh, Jerry Omani with the with the Celtic 
with the Munster team and the Celtic Cup team. Dominic O'Rourke, when I went up there, he brought me to a lot of different places, a lot of different countries fighting. And um, I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anyone. And then with the Irish team as well, I got to, I got to box for Ireland um, as a junior and a senior. So I was just, yeah, I'm very lucky with Oakleaf Boxing Club in, in uh, up the north brought me over to Canada as well. So I've kind of been, I've been fighting all over and getting great experience. Obviously, difficult and competitive ranks uh, in the Irish scene as well. Like, let's see your achievements here. Um, yeah, as an Irish amateur, Tommy, you were a three-time Irish underage champ, twice an elite runner-up. Uh, so you, you you fought at the top level in Ireland. Like, who, who, which guys? Uh, which guys do you think of when you think of uh, fighting in the Irish in the Irish Championships? Who was your hardest opponent? Who was you know who were the people you kept going up against? Um, well, I fought Paul McCullough twice. Fought Thomas O'Toole twice. Um, yeah, they were the as as seniors. Really, I fought them. Uh, Jordan Myers is uh, an under 18s who was European champion at the time and all that. But um, yeah, I fought some good lads. The the toughest. I'm not too sure who did. Probably the best fight I was in was against Paul McCullough. The second fight with Paul McCullough, we had a great fight in the in the quarterfinal. I actually lost that in a split decision, but um, I won the first one in a split decision. So both of them could have went either way. Like so, you can't really complain then. But they were the second one was a great fight. I guess the thing about the amateurs is it's all about picking up experience. No matter what, you're always fighting the best. There's no shirking fights. You fight who you get drawn against and win or lose, you know, whether you win a split decision or lose a split decision, you're you're fighting at the at the highest end, competing in the most competitive fights. And everybody who graduates from that system these days is a can be a contender on the world pro scene. Yeah, of course. Um as a boxer, you want to win every single fight, but that's not going to happen. And you just have to take the experience, fight all the different styles, tall fellas, small fellas, Ardock, Sopa, the whole lot. And um, I think it's going to stand me good when I, as I go up the ranks as a professional. So you, your time uh, traveling the world with your dad, who's a professional boxing manager, obviously he, uh, he was involved in the famous fight, Willie Casey against uh, Guillermo Rigondeau, the multiple Cuban Olympic champion. That was a... Uh, I think you went to your first show in 2007 or something like that. So you're going back 16 years. You were just a nipper. Like, Tell us about your memories of uh, being around boxing as a kid. Yeah, so my first memories are kind of the, the Bernard Dundas, Matthew Macklin, John Duddy, Andy Lee, then Brian Peters shows, um, Paul McCluskey. Then my dad had a, sh- had a couple of shows in Cork and he had uh, Billy Walsh. And yeah, they were kind of my first memories. And just hearing Sweet Caroline, hearing the Dirty Old Tones, and just the crowd, like, the atmosphere used to be unbelievable. And the, the ring entrance for Bernard Dunn at the time, especially, was just, like, some buzz around it. And um, Irish boxing at the time was was buzzing, like. Yeah, and well, you, you also got to go to the States. You got to go to the, the kind of media workouts, the weigh-ins, meet the people backstage. Like, there's, a, like, just looking over your social media, the, it's boxing royalty, really. Like, I've got a, a list of... Uh, big names in boxing as long as my arm of people that you're pictured with. So like it starts Oscar De La Hoya, Gennady Golovkin, Amir Khan, Nanito Donaire, George Groves, Ricky Hatton, Andre Ward, Sergey Kovalev, Freddie Roach, Shane Mosley, Margarito, Ken Buchanan. And that's just the name. A couple of them like you've met and like of the heavyweight champions, I think, you know, you're there alongside Usyk, Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Tyson Fury, everybody and anybody. Like, did you, did you, you know, they say never meet your heroes. Yeah, any bad, um, bad experiences on it with any of them? Not there's none standing out. If there was, I probably wouldn't say it anyway. But no, there's none standing <laughs> out. Um, they've all been fairly nice, and I suppose it's tough for them 
such high profile names getting photos all the time and stuff but I suppose boxing fans is is why they are so big but um, I've Guillermo Rigan though to thank a lot for that like just being around him and and going to his fights and stuff like it's that was just something else going to from Willie Casey from Ricardo Cordova to Nuno to Denier I was in Japan and China with him um, at the biggest fights Pacquiao undercards it was just unreal yeah, and like, what what was it that made Rigondeaux so special? What what was he like as a man? Like, because you you would have known the guy. We saw the fighter, you know, probably one of the most talented fighters I've ever seen in my life. You saw him a lot more than I've seen him. You know him up close. What's he like as a fella? Like my dad tells the story. If he walks, he walked into a restaurant in Los Angeles with him, and everybody. My dad's six foot three, and Rigondeaux's like five foot four, and everybody was looking at Rigondeaux because he just has this aura and this swagger about him. You just know he's something special. You don't know who he is or what he's doing or what he does, but you know he's something special. And he just has that. He doesn't speak a word of English, but there's just something just something about him. He just has he just has the it factor, like. Yeah, he looks the part all right with his uh, his gold teeth. Yeah, they say that um I'm not sure how true that is, but they say he, he got a there was Olympic gold medals, but um I'd say he saw them in Cuba instead. Yeah. I'd well believe it. How did how did you communicate really if uh, if he couldn't speak a word of English and you speak Cork or it's a bit different to uh, regular English? Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Um, there was a couple of interpreters always around. Um, yeah, but he was always laughing. When the cameras were on, he was always kind of a serious guy. He was a bit like Miguel Cora that way. He was known for being having no expression or kind of looking cranky kind of, but he was always laughing. And I remember before he fought Donair, myself and my dad were in the dressing room and we were kind of we were fairly nervous ourselves, but um, he was just laughing, laughing, like telling stories. And I don't know what the stories were. It was about a baseball, a baseball game. And just as if, like, it was like, it was like the man was going for a walk in the park or like for a game of football or something with his buddies. He was going in for the biggest fight of his life. Like, and uh, it was just as, it was no bother to him. <laughs> yeah. He was a big underdog at the time, wasn't he? And not, and not either was world fighter of the year. And, you know, a lot of people didn't give Rigan though a chance. Would you have been nervous for your dad's fighters as uh, almost as if it's like it's family business? Would you have been really nervous? I suppose as a kid, like, of course you are. Like you, you'd really feel it. Yeah. Like I, like I used to be nervous for all them, but I used to be nervous when Paul McCluskey was fighting and, so, and, and John Duddy and them. Like, so when, when it was like someone close and someone that's, that's I've spent a lot of time around that I was always nervous then, yeah. Even more so than your than yourself. Right? Did you get nervous for your own fights or because you were around boxing so long, do you maintain a kind of coolness around around your own fights? Because I suppose you can kind of control your own fights if you want. Yeah, I suppose um the nerves kind of started coming as I was like 15, 16, as you're kind of you kind of realize you you are you're setting the goals kind of then for yourself. So that's when the nerves start, but nerves are a good thing. Like, and it's just it's just controlling them. And as as Karen Frost is making making the nerves your friend, making them your friend. How do you make them your friend? Yeah. What do you do? I like. Well, I I know from my, I know myself. I box better when I'm when I'm nervous. Um, you're a bit more edge and stuff like that. So I was just thinking about that. That that this is a good thing. This is a good feeling to have. Um, yeah, because if if you're not thinking that, they could be the worst thing ever. Like. Is your dad managing you? Uh, I suppose you'd say he is. Like there was no kind of conversation about that, but yeah, like he's after managing, I'd say, about thirty fighters. So it was always a kind of thing. I'd say he's looking after me more than he's managing me. Like <laughs> you, you, you'll probably be self-managed one day. Maybe you'll tell him, "Listen, I don't need you anymore. I can do this myself." 
Yeah, well, I I know the way the boxing business works and all that, but um, he's he's a good man to have in your corner. He's all, he'll always fight your corner, and he'll always fight my corner, especially. But he's a good man to have behind me. You've got a busy schedule ahead of you. How's life in Los, Los Angeles? What are you up to out there? What gyms are you training in? Uh, where you live and what are you getting up to? Are you hooking up with Callum Walsh out there? Obviously, he's another Cork man. He's training in uh, the wildcard gym there with uh, with Freddie Roach. Yeah, Callum's in the wildcard. I'm I'm training Churchill Boxing Club in Santa Monica at the minute. So um, I'm starting to spar next week. And um, I haven't met up with Callum now yet. Uh, like we're fought, he's fighting the day before me in Boston as well. So um, we're both busy training and and just and working towards our own fights but um we were chatting last week so we might we might catch up before before we head to boston and like you look at uh, like the strength of cork boxing there you because yourself and callum walsh spearheading the new kind of era in cork boxing and danny keating and a good few other prospects as well and you look around ireland i know you know your stuff around boxing but kieran malloy and thomas o'toole they're doing great work as well in the in the pros limerick is booming at the minute uh, you saw um that jamie morrissey versus kevin cronin boxing match there a fight on saturday uh, I'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But like, so Limerick is a hotbed. Galway is a hotbed. Cork is a hotbed. There's fighting in um, a professional uh, card coming up, coming up in Waterford and they've got their Dylan Moran and a few others as well. Uh, so boxing is spreading out and, you know, gaining uh, gaining strength all through Ireland. And that can only be a good thing for the long-term health of the sport because in the last 10 years, it's it's not being all that healthy. Um, and I guess there's reasons for optimism for the next 10 years. Yeah, Irish professional boxing is is flying at the minute, but... Hopefully we can get these shows at home where all these lads are, so they're not just fighting in England or just fighting up the north. Um, it's great to have everyone fighting in their own cities. So hopefully we can get more of that. I want to be fighting in Cork. Hopefully Calum can get a fight in Cork. And there's plenty of Cork lads, Stephen Cairns, Carl Crowley, Danny Keaton, as you said, and, and Spike. It'd be great if we, like, there's no reason why we, sh- we couldn't be on the Cork card. Like, that would be huge. And then, and as you said, Limerick, Galway, they should all be fighting at home. And hopefully they get the opportunities to fight at home because it's just it'll just make Irish boxing huge again, and um, it's it'll be great for the kids coming up to see that as well, and something for them to to set their goal on. Do you do you foresee a long term future for yourself in the sport, even when you decide to hang them up? I know you're only at the very start of your professional uh, boxing journey, but you know, box being a boxing manager is in the family business. You've made contacts. You you know a lot about the that side, the other side of the boxing scene. Do you think you'll be in it uh, if we're talking in 20, 30 years? Do you think you'll still be involved? Yeah, I definitely will. Um, it's a tough business, but yeah, it's a business I don't think I'd be able to live without. I would uh, I love boxing. I love being around boxing. I love being at the fights. So yeah, I definitely think I'd, be, I'd still be around, around with boxing. Although had things gone differently a year ago, it would have been very difficult, I'm sure, to stay involved. You said you looked at coaching. But uh, that must have just been such a kick in the stones. You almost never want to see a boxing ring again. But then, like you say, fair play to you for having the uh, the conviction to keep training and to be positive and to be optimistic and to know that your time will come. And that's the way things have panned out. Yeah, like I was helping out with the amateur club. Father Horrigan's boxing club were training. We have a gym at the back of the house. So they were training there for a couple of months. So I was helping out every, every now and then with them. And I enjoy training with the kids and just seeing them coming on and doing really well the, the, that club in, in uh, that Father Horgan's club is, is flying at the minute we've a European silver medalist Lauren Prinian and um, and a couple of other girls coming up and a few of the lads Ryan McCarthy was just in the elite final so like these people are going under the radar at the minute but they're going to they're going to come to light soon he was unlucky in the in the final wasn't he he did well fought well he was like I think 2018 when the lads were saying 2018 Ryan was boxing in the Celtic Cup as a novice and now he's in the elite final that's showing like 
that's just showing the coach and, and his own hard work as well. So, like, it's brilliant to see that. And as I, as I said earlier, like, cockboxing is flying at the minute. So, like, yeah, there's, there's big things for cockboxing on, on the horizon. Like, he three-time Celtic box champion and uh, represented in all the countries that I mentioned before. Was a lot of that as almost... Uh, like an amateur boxer entering tournaments, or did you represent Ireland many times? Did you kind of were you on the team many times fighting for Ireland? I would have represented Ireland maybe at three different uh, tournaments. So I, I don't know, that's like six, seven fights. What did it mean to you? Like, what was it like? Oh yeah, the first one was the World Juniors. I was I was after winning my first series title the month before it, and we went to the World Juniors in Saint Petersburg. It was a great team. Aaron McKenna was on the team. Amor Collin, um, uh, Paul Ryan. They all got medals. Paddy Donovan. So that that was like a very strong team. I, I, I got beat for a medal in the quarterfinals after winning two fights. Um, so yeah, that was just, that was some buzz. My dad came over there and Amor's dad was there. So it was two other Cockmen there with us. So um, yeah, it was great to have a Cockman on the team as well. Amor, who was flying, he got a silver medal at that, that championship. And yeah, we had a great, they were just great times. And you've seen, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of teams seem to be still boxing, which is a good thing. You can't keep everybody. A lot of people fall off from boxing because, like, which lads over the years did you see that were massively talented but are no longer still boxing? And what does it take to continue doing it into your early 20s? Because a lot of people do fall off that are, you know, there's been world junior champions that have, that, you know, to quit at 16 and stuff. What is it? What's the difference in, in those who stay and those who go? Um, I, I think it's just setting the goals and stuff. I'm, I've always had a goal of turning professional since like 15 or 16. That was my goal. To, it was the term professional. I was hoping to get an elite title and then go to the Olympics, but that didn't happen. But um, yeah, there's been unreal talent coming from Cork, Luke Thomas, Oliver McCarthy, um, Aimer Collin. I'm, that was just that's just naming three there. But they were all like getting big medals in international tournaments, and um, who knows what they could have went on to do. Uh, and and do you know why people decide to quit even without getting specific like about it? I suppose is it just life gets in the way. They don't set the the same goal, or do they just? I suppose maybe you find that you like going out for a few pints, or you get in a relationship, or get work, get solid work. Boxing is a difficult thing to stick with for kind of 17, 18 year olds, isn't it? You see, it struggles to retain people. And like the talents you mentioned there, at various stages, I heard this guy's the next, <laughs> this guy's the next guy. This this guy's going to win all these kind of medals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not for those guys in particular, but like drinking the women, I suppose, when you're 17, 18, you start having a few drinks and women and all that, but uh, a few girlfriends and stuff. But it's a lot of dedication as well for a 17, 18 year old train twice a day. And if you're not training twice a day, you're just you're just going to get left behind, really, because everyone else in the country is training twice a day and they're working hard. So you have to work just as hard, if not harder. And you had that motivation from a, from a young age, I suppose, from the place you'd been, the people you'd met. You you were able to do that. You were able to, at 15, 16, 17, just say, I'm going to dedicate myself to this goal. Yeah, well, I, I just saw what, what other people were doing and I just knew that I had to I had to train as hard as they were. And I just did that, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I just kept training hard. I always did train hard and um, just dedicated myself. This is what I want to do. Are you going to look towards uh, having a few domestic bouts in the next year? Uh, obviously, there's a flavor for it at the minute. We've seen Cronin against Morrissey, your sparring partner, Cronin. Uh, just edged out by a point. Looks like they're going to go again for the Irish title at a venue to be confirmed or a date to be confirmed as well. But there's a flavor for it, isn't there, for the, for the Irish domestic clash? Uh, are they doing something like putting you and O'Toole together on the same card in Boston to maybe 
position you towards a clash down the line or is that just you know almost a coincidence you're both going to draw ticket sales in in Dorchester um, and what's your appetite for it because you know that you're going to be able to build a build a career in a record fighting out of the USA fighting at home you don't necessarily need to have that domestic tension but do you want it? Oh yeah I do like the buzz around that even the buzz around Kevin Kevin and Jamie's fight last week was that was something else like um, I was really looking forward to myself I thought it was going to be on TG Carr so I was, I had a stick here, so I was going to watch it on that, but I had to watch it live. But um, yeah, that was a brilliant fight. And it's great for Irish boxing. It just gets everyone talking. I remember watching Anthony Fitzgerald. I think it was, he fought Robbie Long in Dublin and what a fight it was. And it was just, it was just two local lads. And that's the buzz around the place was just unreal. So I want to be involved in them. Yeah, 100%. I want to bring them to, we're going to be fighting in Cork as well, hopefully this year. Hopefully it's not just once this year as well. So yeah, if it's if if I'm not fighting in domestic fights this year, maybe next year. But I definitely want to be in domestic fights too. Yeah, definitely. Bring, yeah, bring it on, and they definitely get the crowd the crowd through the doors. All right. Um, hundred percent. So, did you think it was a fair result, Morrissey? Morrissey getting the edge by a point, or what? What did you make of it? I'll be honest. I I tuned in after I tuned in when I, by the time I tuned in, it was round five, and. So I couldn't see round five because the, the stream was blurry. Round six was close, I'm going to say. But I thought Krona won the last two, if that's any help. But um, yeah. I heard it was a very close fight. And yeah, I knew it was going to be a close fight anyway. Kevin is a, Kevin's, a fit, Kevin's fit out. He trains very hard. And I know Jamie trains very hard too. So if they do it over 10 rounds, sure. Who doesn't want to watch that? Yeah. And can you, for anyone who hasn't seen your fight, seen you fight yet in the professionals, uh, tell us what sort of a style you're going to be bringing to it in the next couple of years. And what, what are you trying to, what are you trying to develop at the minute? And who's, who's your main trainer at the minute? Cause if you're fight, if you're training out in Los Angeles at the minute, who's, who's the guy in your corner giving you, giving you the, the guidance. So I just came to Churchill last week doing a bit of training and um, I'm here with Pedro Santiago who trains Anthony Sims fighting this week on Sky Sports. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of getting settled in there. I'm not, I'm not sticking anywhere at the minute. I'm just, just going around to different gyms and get more experience off, off different coaches and stuff and picking up a bit to see what I can pick up from each coach. Um, I'm, I'm a tall boxer, but I like, I like a scrap as well. So, um, I'm just developing my style at the minute. I want knockouts and I want, um, but I can, I can box at the same time, but I, but I want knockouts. That's, knockouts. that's what people are coming to watch. Who's your favorite knockout artist? Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns. I like Tommy Hearns and I like Felix Trinidad as well. And Kelly Pavlik, those guys. Right. I'm sure you've met them yeah. all. I'm sure you've been in their, all their houses. I've met Tommy Hearns, but I haven't met the other two yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who worked your corner for your previous two fights that you didn't uh, like have a set-in coach? Uh, Hector Bermudez was working my corner for the last two who, who trained TJ Dahani. Yeah. And um, he's had a couple of world champions and he has a lot of experience and he's a great boxer mind. And um, I'm after learning a lot with him, and he's after improving me a lot. And um, yeah, sure, I could end up, I could end up back down there in Springfield, Massachusetts again as well. So um, yeah, I'm not settled anywhere, but I just see where I'm, where I'm finding comfortable and and um, who I'm clicking with. I'm, yeah. I'm after clicking with both guys already, but yeah, just just see my suits. Keep moving around, yeah. Well, that sounds good. Uh, so Tommy, Tommy, hi. Look, it's been great to uh, to hear what you're up to and what what went on last year as well. Um, I'm sure it was a scary time for a few days, but but look, good for you for having a having your business head on and getting about it and uh, ch- chasing the dream. So at two and zero, Tommy Hyde, hopefully four and zero by April, and 
continue climbing the ladder. Thanks very much, Kev. Yeah, for all by April and um, a busy year ahead. Hopefully, the, the plan was to nearly get a, a fight a month, but with injuries and stuff like that, that, that mightn't happen, but maybe a fight every six weeks or something, you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and if Crow Park isn't happening in May, as it looks like not to be, uh, maybe we'll look at, uh, you'll be another boxer with your hand up for Crow Park in September, along with the other hundred. Yeah, yeah, and who knows, we could get one in Cork in the summer as well, so you never know. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tommy Hyde, for joining us today on the Rocky Road. Uh, tell tell people where they can follow you on social if uh, if you want. Yeah, I'm Tommy Hyde one on Instagram and just my Facebook page is Tommy Hyde. So um, I'm I'm starting to grow a bit of a follow now. So <laughs> getting there now. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Tommy Hyde. Uh, we'll speak to you again. I'm sure a couple of months down the line. Cheers. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks very much. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.